Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. No, I'll run this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn Mark Aram here, you there. It's 10.077 after 10. This is the Mark Aram Show, heard Monday through Friday, 10 to midnight on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Got a huge show for you lined up tonight. Erica Byfield from Channel 2 Action News will join us. Brian Kenny from the uh, Major League Baseball Network will join us as well. But uh, obviously it's been a rough couple of days here in these United States, so I wanted to uh, lighten the load a little bit on the Friday evening show. So joining me in studio, comedian who will be appearing at the Punchline this weekend. You can see him Saturday and Sunday. Mitch Fatel. Yeah, Mitch. let's do this, Mr. Mark Aram. <laughs> Come on, let's How do it. Let's, let's do the funny. America needs funny it now. It does, man. It does. The crazy stuff. We had, uh, you know, Baton Rouge and then Minnesota and then obviously yesterday in Dallas, as a comedian, is there going to be more pressure on you this weekend? Is it tougher to do comedy after tragedy? It's an interesting question. Uh, the 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 story that I remember the most, I've been doing comedy for about 30 years now, and uh, I started out in New York City, and I used to uh, work at the famed Comedy Cellar. And, um, and when 9-11 happened, you know, they, they had never missed a show. And when 9-11 happened... Uh, you know, the owner of the club, it was the day after he had said, uh, he uh, he asked the comedians, do you guys want to do a show or not? And I think we all agree because this is, because, you know, you kind of feel like when there's a tragedy of some sort that it's almost life moving on that helps instead of just sitting around catatonic. Sure. So we were like, well, yeah, I guess if people are coming to the club, they're going to want to come out. So it was, there was kind of a dissension among the comedians what we should talk about. Like, should you talk about the fact that 9-11 happened? Because you can't really make jokes about sure. it, or you shouldn't. And every kind of comic handled it differently. And uh, I decided, because my act isn't political. I have, uh, my political thoughts are mine, and sure. I don't believe in doing that on stage. Some comedians like doing that, and I think, you know, that's personally not my type of comedy. So I went on stage, and I just did my act. And uh, afterwards, a lot of the people said, uh, that was it was nice to not have to hear about 9-11 constantly because every comedian would go on and make jokes or try to make jokes or talk about it. It was kind of bringing the mood down. And I felt like my job as a comedian was to go, okay, you know, if you want politics, you're going to go to the right place for politics. Yeah. But if you're coming to a comedy club, you're probably not going you to a comedy club. You want it. Yeah. And that's kind of my job. So I felt like, you know, so I did do my act and I stuck to it. And I didn't feel there was more pressure. I just felt that it was... I don't want to say more important, but I did feel that I, that, you know, it made me realize that we have a job as entertainers sure. as well. And, and that's why people are paying us is they, they needed want you now more than ever kind of thing. It doesn't, you know, I think that human beings have a need to not necessarily 
uh, forget, but to distract temporarily to digest things. And I think that that's one of the things that humor does and one of the things that music does and one of the things that, you know, sports do is it just kind of gives you that little respite from the world. Yeah. And then you can get back to the business at hand. So how how soon after nine eleven was that? Did you take the stage? Was it the the day after? A week after? How, uh, how I did it after? right before I uh, set off the bombs. So no, no. I uh, I um uh, it was the next day. Really? Yeah, it was. So the comedy cellar is in Midtown. I'm assuming the comedy cellar is in downtown, uh, the village in New York City. So it's, not far at all from. No, no, it wasn't. Wow. So the it was only one show they missed, and then the owner called us. The owner was a very dear friend of mine. He's deceased now, and I really loved him. And uh, he called me and he asked me if we wanted to do a show. And I said, I said, if you want to open, yeah, because if you open and people come, that means they want a show. Yeah. And it was. It was New York felt really weird, and. And I was proud of myself because I did stick to what I believe because I don't do politics. And I said, well, if all of a sudden I go on stage and do politics, that's going to be like, 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 you know, I personally, like I used to love Bruce Springsteen mm -hmm. a lot, but I went to a couple of Bruce Springsteen shows and realized I was just being preached to with where he just goes off suddenly and starts talking about his politics. Whether you agree with them or not, that's not why I go you, to see Bruce Springsteen. I, I turn on, you know, the news if I want to yeah. hear somebody debate politics. And so I'm surprised that it was that soon, that close uh, to, to ground zero because... I mean, I remember Major League Baseball even was like, all right, we're yeah. taking a week off. Yeah, like, that's right. Baseball was like, we're going to take a week. Yeah. I remember the Braves played the Mets in the first game wow. in New York after 9-11. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, and it was... Um, Felt weird. It was the only time I think Braves fans ever rooted for the Mets. They were like, you yeah. know, let New York have this this well, kind of Did they day. win? Do you know if they the won? The did win, yeah. Wow, that's odd. Yeah, they yeah, never do Piazza win. <laughs> I, I oh, remember, really? Did they? remember it like it was yesterday. Wow. Yeah, I didn't uh, know that. Huh. So, so that's remarkable that you guys. Do you do you remember any of the comedians that we were performing? Mike with Piazza was there, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was me and 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 a couple of the classics that you probably know their names now. David Tell, Louis C.K. Sure. was there, Mark Marin was there, and so uh, are those the guys you came up with? Those are the guys wise? I started with. Yeah, I started with them. Because you don't look like you 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 look a lot younger than I David Tell. Very young. That's not saying much, but you look a lot younger. Know, well, Dave's than, done than a lot Louis. of drugs in his time. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah. you, I mean, you look like you know. Yeah. You're no, early I'm up 30s. there. No, I'm up there. Yeah, I get away with it. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Fatel in studio. He's at the Punchline this weekend. Check him out Saturday and Sunday. Tickets available online at punchline.com. So, so uh, you came up through the ranks. Yeah. Um, how did you get your start in stand up? What was I the... started? Well, uh, I was an intern for Howard Stern when I was a kid. Shut the front door. Yeah, I was an intern. Was at NBC? And he was at uh, K-Rock. K-Rock, okay. Yeah, and you know a lot about New York, huh? Well, I'm from Connecticut. Oh, yeah, okay, where in Connecticut are you from? Warrington? Oh, I didn't like that area. Yeah, it's not very So, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I was a big Howard Stern fan as a kid, and uh, Howard Stern... Um, needed an intern and I was going to NYU at the time and I got the I got a job being his intern. That's amazing. And he was my hero and I thought that I was going to be famous as soon as I started working for him and he called me and you know and how Howard is. And yeah. He called me in the first day and he goes, uh, "So what are you doing here? What do you want to do with your life?" And I said, "Well, I want to be a stand-up comedian." And he said, "Ah, you're not going to make it. You're not funny." <laughs> and uh, and years later when I did my first Letterman appearance, uh, Howard called me and no said way. he saw it. And so he was proud of me. And then he went on the air and said, uh, 
Well, I got to tell you, that kid, that kid Mitch, he was our intern. He always said he was going to be a stand-up comedian. I never believed him. He's like, he's funny. So that was kind of like my father moment in my life because he was my hero. Of course. So for yeah. him to say that he was, he I was funny. Genius, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. So I've been back on his show now, uh, and he's told me that he's proud of me, and that was uh, kind of the culmination of my, my, all my dreams. I had, I used to listen to him obviously when I lived up yeah, there, and, uh, and then when I came down to Atlanta, he didn't have an affiliate here for the longest time, um, and then I finally got uh, satellite radio with my new car. It right, came with it. Yeah, and I listen to Howard for the first time in you know like 15 years what did you think of Howard on satellite as opposed to on regular terrestrial radio I what I like about it because it's different it is different but what I like about it is that it's always on oh okay right, it's, right. Yeah, it's yeah, 20, like see, I, yeah. if I get off the air at midnight right I, I leave here I can turn Howard on and they're replaying that morning show. Life is or, different than when we were. Remember when you were a kid and you'd have to watch a TV show at the at time, time that it was exactly on? And, right. Yeah, and, dude, and, I'm so jealous of you being an intern for for Howard Stern. Yeah. So what what year was that? Was that? Oh my God! Had to be really, late now 80s. I'm going to really show my age. I guess it was 88, 89. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. 86, 87, yeah, around there. That's how now. How 87, you, 88. Yeah. How did you was, get that internship? Well, I was going to NYU and. Uh, and I was working. Do you remember an old comedian named David Brenner? Oh, of course, the legend. I hate David Brenner. Really? Yeah, he stole something from me, I, and I'm I'm kind of glad he's dead. But wow. uh, but so he was good friends with Howard. He was good friends with Howard. Yeah. I was working on David Brenner's show. Uh, I had gotten an internship uh, at a college working on David Brenner's show. Howard Stern was a guest. I was more thrilled about meeting Howard than sure. anyone else. I went over to Gary and I said, hey, I work here. If you ever need an intern for the show, I'd love to work for you. I gave him my number and a month later they called me. Baba Booey. And yeah, call. yeah. And then we, and then that started my six month internship, which was, you know, the beginning of my career because I was for the first time around show, real show business. Yeah. I mean, he was a hero to me. And, uh, and then from there I started doing stand up comedy after that. And I never now, used. Now, did that give you the confidence to do No, it, it didn't. It actually, Actually, I was kind of nervous to do it because Howard did tell me that he, he didn't think I was funny. Yeah. Because that's what Howard does. Sure. And uh, I wanted to prove him wrong. So I started going to comedy clubs and I didn't tell anybody I had worked on the show. I didn't want anybody to give me spots because of him. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to know that I made it on my own. So I started just doing comedy at open mic nights and then rose up through the ranks. And then Howard told me, you know, he thought I was uh, really funny years later when I got on Letterman. That's amazing. Mitch yeah. Fattel in studio. Fatel. Fatel, damn it. Mitch Fatel in studio. He's at the punchline this Mark weekend. Mark Brom on the air with me. <laughs> um, as uh, I want, I'm, I'm going to keep you here longer. No problem. It, by the way, just so you, I'm warning you now. Um, just get me good audience members to my you, show. I want you, you Atlanta want people to come out. Members, absolutely. <laughs> so you, you start as a young age as a stand-up comic. Um, is there a time, is there a point in your early stand-up career where you either open for someone that you go, wow, like this is actually working? Like this, this is a. Uh I knew it was working pretty fast. I think as a comedian, you'll you'll know immediately if you're meant to do it because mm -hmm. you. I mean, I always knew I was going to. I just felt comfortable on stage where I didn't feel comfortable in real life. I always felt very comfortable there. I think the moment that I. I mean, there's two moments that are defining in my life. I mean, I used to be a huge Howard Stern fan and a huge David Letterman fan. I used to watch Letterman as a kid uh, all the time, and my goal was to get on his show. I think that the defining moment for me was when they called and asked me to be on the show, and I remember I, my knees gave out. I was, was that when he was still at NBC, or was this... Uh, no, it was CBS. CBS yeah, yeah, and he had just gotten a CBS. He was there a couple of 
maybe a year or two and um and i i got my first letterman and that was the moment and i remember i had been doing comedy probably about six years at that point and i remember after getting off the show it hit me like oh i think i'm getting good at this like only after that <laughs> i was like oh okay i'm figuring this out yeah. and that was kind of cool that's, that's huge i mean letterman especially <clears throat> at that time i'm a letterman guy yeah i uh, have been forever um and and that would to me would be a benchmark like not only not yeah. figuring it out, but I've arrived. This is that was it. the moment. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a moment. It was a very romantic moment in my life. I remember I was sitting backstage, and uh, they brought me out, and they said, "You're on next." And Letterman was sitting through a commercial break, and I could see him. And I had been such a fan of his my whole entire life. And I remember thinking to myself. In a couple of seconds, David Letterman's going to say my name. That was a very surreal feeling oh, for yeah. me because I had been watching him for so long, and I couldn't believe like now my life was going to intersect with his life, that my name would come out of his mouth. And that was a really, really, really crazy moment for me. And then he, he said my name, and I came out, and I killed. And uh, that was probably like the best moment of my career. Is that on YouTube? Jesus, my first Letterman on YouTube. I don't even know I'm if gonna it find is. It. I'm going to find it. If it's out there, I will play it. Hang out uh, for another segment, Mitch. I'm here. Uh, Mitch Fatel. There you go. In studio. He's at the Good Punchline job. this weekend. Tickets available online at punchline.com. Go in cleanly, yeah, yeah. and then everybody's holding their breath. Swoosh. But it's enough to get the two points, <laughs> yeah. you know, the one point. And I think that's what my first audition was. And then, and then I definitely, you know, well, you did the show and killed. And it. And then I did the show and I killed it. That was a great moment, uh, a great story from that. You know, uh, I I had to wear a suit on my first Letterman. Uh, they made me wear a suit, and I had never worn a suit in my life. I wow. was a kid who just loved wearing T-shirts, Letterman, like I do now. Like you think he'd be more lax with the uh, dress? Oh code. no, Letterman! You were told that's a he that you have to wear a suit. Okay. Uh, so I was very nervous. And I didn't you know, even know how to buy a suit. So I went out and got a suit that was just really big on me. <laughs> I remember this. And I was doing the show, and all of a sudden, I was killing. And this moment came over me, and I just said, I'm wearing a suit. And uh, then I just went right back into my <laughs> act. And the next day, everybody called me and just said uh hey you're wearing a suit like it was like this famous line that yeah. came out and it was a great moment in my life because i realized that like you know those moments and then and then i had done it and then i did the tonight show with leno after Hold that. that thought because i want to hear about that as well all right we gotta stop for news weather and traffic though that's not the that city important. never sleeps that's... atlanta never sleeps hang tight mitch fatal in studio he's at the punchline this weekend we'll come back uh with more on his uh career ascendancy from humble beginnings in a town unknown. Atlanta. Atlanta, to where he is now. <laughs> uh, hang tight. News, weather, and traffic next. This is The Mark Aram Show.
Welcome back to the show, Friday edition of the Mark Aram Show. Coming up later in the program, Erica Byfield, uh, Channel 2 Action News reporter. I wish you could stick around for that, Mitch. You would love Erica Byfield. She's phenomenal. And uh, Brian, Sounds phenomenal. Brian Kenny from uh, Major League Baseball Network. Uh, Mitch Fatel's in studio, though, comedian. He's at the Punchline this weekend. Yes. Uh, uh, we just talked about your Letterman appearance. Yes. Um, which is obviously uh, just a career highlight. And then you go and are able to do The Tonight Show with Leno? Yeah, but the funny thing was that uh, The Tonight Show with Leno, uh, you know, I so I did Letterman, and, uh, and, you know, then I thought at that point, you know, it's funny, like, that was the big show for me, and then I did a bunch of Tonight Show appearances after, and what I had told you is, like, so during the Letterman appearance, I had said, I'm wearing a suit, and it was so magical, and so... I kept wanting to recapture that moment. This is when I learned as a performer, you can't make things happen. Sure. So every Leno appearance after that, I would try to recreate that magic by saying something like, look at my shoes or whatever. And it never worked <laughs> yeah, no. because people would be like, it's I don't really get that. Yeah. yeah. And I learned like as a performer, <laughs> you know, you learn, you know, I'm a big sports guy and you kind of learn that like, you can't make anything happen. You just, you just go with the, the moment and let the you. game come to you. Yeah. yeah, and so that was my you know moment for the Tonight Show. I remember um, Mitch Fatel in studio talking about uh, benchmark career moments, Letterman and Leno. Obviously, at this at this point, you've been doing stand up for a while. You're comfortable yes. on stage. The level of nervousness, though, going on Letterman for the first time or Leno for the first time, is, is it heightened or is it just the same? It's very surreal, and you do go through this moment where you go, I'm going to forget every single thing as soon as I walk on stage. I'm yeah. just going to sit and stare, and it's going to be <laughs> a story tomorrow. And you do think that. The weird thing is, Mark, when you, as soon as you walk out, it all comes rushing back to you, and then you realize... I'm not doing anything different than anything I've done in clubs for the last, you know, 10 years. There just happens to be cameras around me. It's sure. like, it's, you know, one of the things I love about uh, a good radio show, such as yours, Mr. Aram, <laughs> is, you know, sometimes you forget that the mics are in front of you yeah. and you just start having a conversation. Sure. And that's ultimately, I think, what you as a, as a, as a radio what do you say, disc jockey these days? Host. Or Talk host as a host. radio host. I think what you're looking for is that all of a sudden the the guest is comfortable enough where all where you don't even realize you're talking. And sometimes that's when you get your best moments. Because when you're listening to someone on the radio, you want to hear someone who's having a real conversation, not who's thinking about the next thing they're going to say. So I think that like what hits you when you walk out in one of these TV shows is you're not doing anything different. There just happens to be cameras there. And if you get that initial thing out of the way, you're like, oh, it's just what I've been doing for the last, you know, 10 years I just I know how to tell my jokes or yeah. whatever and it's kind of a cool feeling and you know I think that that's uh, as a performer that's a that's a great moment when you realize like oh, okay I don't have to do anything different or more and I think at first as a young performer you try to do more on those shows and you don't have to you know yeah, because be, be yourself the be subtlety what you is do. what makes it yeah and you know a lot of comedians that I started out with their first Letterman's and Leno's I've watched them and uh, I'm aging myself when I say Letterman's and Leno's because they're not even around <laughs> exactly. anymore. Man, we're getting old. And uh, But you watch them and you're like, oh, they're more animated than they usually are. Or they're more this or they're more that. And you're like, that's not good because you're not doing what has made you the person that they asked to be on the show. Um, Mitch Fatel in studio. We talked about uh, who you came up the ranks with. Who are your comic influences? Uh, is, is there any uh, any comedian or comedians that, that really you looked at and was like, wow, that... That yeah, this, there's one me. there's one comedian that made me want to want to do comedy. 
um, and his name is Donald Trump. And no, no, there's one comedian that made me want to do uh, comedy as a kid. It was Steve Martin because yeah. when I was a kid, Steve Martin was brand new and he was doing the wild and crazy guy stuff and no one had ever done anything like that. It was so different to me and I and I remember as a kid thinking if you could get paid for just being silly like that, what other job would there be to pick in the world? I uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, the the album the St I think the Steve Martin comedy album was the first album that yeah um I the comedy album they ever listened to yeah um and I actually had the chance to interview him last did year. you not in person it was on the phone cool and that's one of my I was very idols. nervous about yeah. this yeah I would be that's Steve Martin yeah and I was huh. I was told only to ask about whatever he was uh, promoting promoting that time and I was like whatever it's Steve Martin you yeah. know I'll I'll say yeah whatever you want just yeah. Wow. So I want I wanted to let him know that just I, w I just wasn't some schmuck that's just on the radio that I was actually a fan. So I don't know if you remember uh, on that original Steve Martin album, he he did a bit talking about um he, he was he was telling a joke and the, the punchline was I said sprocket or not whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah, was, yeah I And he's like, "What? Is this not the plumber's convention or whatever?" Right. And it was like a really Deep, you know, yeah, something it, lost in exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. if, if you hadn't have heard that album a million times, you never would have reminded. And I, I asked him about that joke, and and it it loosened him up. Like he knew, all yeah. right, this guy's not just, yeah, you know, some guy. He actually knows what I'm talking. about. But I was so nervous for that. Yeah, interview. let me tell you something. That's weird. I've wanted to meet all my idols in the world. It was always, uh, you know, Howard Stern, Letterman, whatever. I always told people. I don't want to meet Steve Martin, nor do I want to talk to him, because I think that's the first person in the world that would be... It, it, he has such a presence in my life. Yeah. He changed everything for me that it would be almost too overwhelming that I almost don't want to know he's human. Like, I don't want... Like, sure. like, you know, I actually stopped following him on Twitter. I did, too. Why did I you still, stop following him? Because it wasn't as good as it should yeah, have been. Yeah, yeah. So I was... I'm a pretty funny guy, and I was like, my Twitter's a lot funnier than exactly. Steve Martin, and that bothered me, because yeah. I was like, I don't want to be funnier That's than hilarious. Steve Martin. I did the same thing. I was like, no, this is shattering my image yeah, yeah. of the comedic genius that is Steve Whenever Martin. Whenever I, t it, you're making me very happy, and I'll tell you why, because m many people, when I say Steve Martin, they immediately go to all the, to, well, what about this movie, this movie, and I was like, yeah. no, I'm not a fan of Steve Martin, the actor. I never really cared that much about it. As a matter of fact, never saw, and really a couple, after The Jerk, I didn't really see his movies. Mm -hmm. And he became kind of this, you know, comic actor and whatever, and that's all great. But that's not the Steve Martin that I was a fan of. He changed to me, and I wanted to just remember him as sure. the as the guy who was the wild and crazy guy. It's like kind of seeing your high school girlfriend thirty years later. Yeah, you don't want to see what yeah, she right. looks like yeah, now. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. She's yeah. Nice and hot. Um, at the plumber's convention. At the so I said sprocket, not socket. <laughs> that's the line. I right. Said, yeah. I remember. But he that. stopped. He stopped doing stand up. Yeah, like at at an early age, he just gave up the. Uh... I think I understand that because I think that he realized he had done all he could do as that character. Yeah. He had a couple of albums, and then he came out with one more album after that. If you remember, I think it was called I don't remember his last one, but it was him wearing makeup, mm -hmm. and it was really not that good. Yeah. and I think he even realized like, oh, I. Uh, this has gone as far as it can go. I should either move on. And, you know, I used to do more of a character on stage. And then I got married and I'm different now. And I want to say a lot about, you know, I talk a lot about marriage and how my my wife is really hot and, and, and uh, how we have great sex and stuff. And I make that really funny. 
because I'm not the old Mitch Fatel that I used to be, and I realize like, oh, if I try to stick to that, then I and then it's not funny anymore. And I think Steve Martin had to evolve for himself, so that's how I let him off the hook. He had yeah. to evolve, and he probably went probably a little too late because that last album no one even remembers but the first two were phenomenal well, there's there's a whole generation of people that don't even know that he did stand up that's crazy they knew him, uh, you know saturday night live yeah. and three amigos and yeah the movie with uh where he has a lot of kids which i've never seen i don't know. like any of his movies and i feel like you know, again, that's not the Steve Martin I knew, so it's yeah. just a different guy to me. And that's that's a, that's interesting that we both unfollowed our, <laughs> yeah, our comedy yeah, yeah. hero, Steve Martin. Uh, so I I was nervous talking to Steve Martin. Hey, did you ever have you were open for a comedian or saw someone in the audience that you were you were kind of blown away by? Like no, but I did. I you know I have one of those stories that doesn't have a happy ending. A lot of them in my life do. I mean, I've been very lucky because most of my stories always have great cool Hollywood endings but the one that doesn't have a Hollywood ending was I was working in Vegas and uh, Rodney Dangerfield was working next door to us and he of course was working the big room and we work in the small room sure. in Vegas being a couple of comedians he invited us to hang out he used to like to hang out with comedians and we went over and he liked me and he said I'm gonna come to your show tomorrow and he showed up and he was in the green room and I was so friggin nervous and I don't know why I just guess, I just, and I didn't even really, I wasn't even a big Rodney Dangerfield fan, but he's such an icon, yeah. and I went on and just died. I mean, I was so bad, <laughs> and I look back, and I'm like, and now it's funny, because I'm like, you know, there's so many good stories in my life, like when I did kill on my first Letterman and stuff, and all that, like, there's so many great stories, so I needed that really, really bad story, and it was... One. Now, you were too young to appear on his, on the Dangerfield HBO specials, though, right? I mean, yeah, I was them, a like kid I watching yeah. those, yeah, I was a those kid watching those, too. and those were pretty cool, that's where I saw Sam Kinison for the first time. Exactly right. Yeah, one of those specials. And because, but when I, when we were growing up, obviously we're, we're, we're close in age, as, as a kid in Connecticut... You're 32? The only time I could do or see comedy was on HBO. Like I'm yeah. not going to a comedy club in Hartford at right. age 13. Yeah. Or yeah. There's no YouTube. There's yeah. You know, I remember it, it was HBO stand-up specials. Robert Klein, Buddy Hackett, and then the Dangerfield right. uh, yeah. specials. That was the only chance you had to see was was stand-up comedy was on HBO and all those. Things. Yeah, and it's and it's weird too because those were the days where you couldn't really like you know. You couldn't see anything on YouTube. You couldn't see, like, you'd have to tune into that stuff, and it was only on a couple of channels and yeah. stuff. I think it was HBO, right, that yeah. Rodney Dangerfield. Exactly. So that was the advent of, like, comics being able to talk dirty on And you camera. could see, like, five comedians. They would come yeah. out and do, you yeah. know, a short set, and, and that's where we saw Kennison for the first time. And I remember they were all funny. Kennison is another one of those guys who was amazing, and then his second specials after that, he just couldn't recapture that, and then he just became kind of a caricature of himself. But he was one of my heroes. Died young. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, hang out one more segment. Please. No problem. All Enjoying right. myself. Um, if, uh, Twitter, you're on Twitter, obviously. How At Mitch Fatel, M I T C H F A T E L, and my Twitters are usually not political, but sometimes they are, and uh, <laughs> and they're funnier than Steve Martin. Yeah, uh, <laughs> our our news feed is funnier than Steve. Wouldn't it be cool sadly. if Steve Martin would just call in right now and yeah, be like, "I'm so much off. funnier than you guys." <laughs> All <laughs> uh, hang tight. We'll come back. This is the Mark Aram Show. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find you and take it slowly, ready or not, here I come, you can't hide, gonna find 
Friday edition, uh, Mitch Fatel in studio, killing it, and he'll kill it tomorrow and Sunday on the Punchline stage. The new Punchline location, by the way, in Buckhead, Peachtree, Roswell Road at yeah. the Landmark Diner. Landmark Diner. So you can watch me and then get a cheeseburger. You can get anything, Mitch. Yeah, it's good food, man. It's a diner. They, they made you me some chicken yesterday. Chocolate milkshake, cheese omelet, mozzarella sticks. Chicken marsala. They have you everything want. you want. It's, it's insane what you can get. That's the best part of the new. I mean, because the the old punchline was iconic, um, but the, the menu was crap. It, it was, was a barn yeah. that basically had nachos. Exactly. And, and good now comedy. you can. You yeah. get, sometimes they have lobster tails. You could get a lobster tail. I mean, if I get lobster while tonight while watching Mitch. <laughs> How's that work? Does Jamie let you you carte blanche as far as food? I've or? been on Letterman, so I get to get whatever I want. <laughs> you were wearing a other suit. comedians. I you know, they get half price probably. <laughs> I still remember you were wearing a suit. Um, all right, so uh, people obviously are in love with you now. Mark Aram show fans are going to be all over you. They yeah. want to come on find over out more Mark about fans. you. Um, website stuff like that. What are we, yeah. Doing? By the way, uh, any Mark Aram fan that comes, if you come over to the table after the show and you say Sprocket, <laughs> I will give you a free CD. Sprocket, not socket. Sprocket, not. You have to say Sprocket, not socket, yeah. and I will give you a free CD. <laughs> Mitch, this has been a pleasure, man. Um, thanks so much. Kill it. I yeah, know you're you one of the good ones. You ask good questions. Other com- other shows you go on, they're boring. But you're you we, ask. Good we grew up listening to Stern. We know how to. We, we know, know how, how to do, do it. Yeah. Exactly cool. right. Amazing influences that we share um, on Twitter at m i t c h f a t e l dot com. Yes, sir. And a whole new act, and uh, it's really funny, and and it's my it's my favorite act I've ever done. So very cool. Yeah, I think people enjoy it, and it's yeah at Mitch Fatel, and my, my Facebook is Mitch Fatel. Uh, Facebook dot com slash Mitch Fatel. All right, Mitch, always a pleasure. Uh, coming up after news, weather, and traffic, Steve Martin. Steve Martin <laughs> to tell you how to do comedy with. <laughs> With Erica Byfield and uh, Brian Kenny. It's the Friday edition of the Mark Arab Show.